verse 1. We're in 2 Corinthians. We've been going, uh, this is our third week um, in this book, the second letter um, that we have recorded to Corinth here by the Apostle Paul. Um, and we entitled the series Vessels. And um, we're going to see Paul sharing about his life and, and um, encouraging the, the believers in Corinth to allow God to fill them and, and to be used by him, no matter what the circumstances. That if, if God is with you, it's a useful season. If God is with you, anything you're going through, he can use it for your advantage and, and to allow him to do that. Uh, to be weak so that he can be made strong. To, um, yeah, to honor and glorify him. So, uh, continuing on chapter 2, let's pray. We'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for uh, this time, this morning, God. And, and um, we just thank you so much for just being able to gather together. Um, thank you for those kids that were in here, God, and what they represent. We pray that, that this week will have um, impacted them for their life, that there will be things that they learn that, that they will take with them for the rest of their life, that they have sensed your presence and your, your leading and guiding and, and calling in their life. And so, God, we thank you for that. Pray you'd lead us right now and that you'd um, give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we seek you, as we open up your word. We pray you fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we'd be able to understand, and we would be able to apply and, and grow. And uh, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, kind of a continuation of chapter 1. Paul has been defending himself uh, to the church of Corinth because they had said he had gone back on his word. He was supposed to come and see them again. And he had seen them, but didn't come back the second time. We're going to get a little bit more insight into that. Paul even said, actually, in, in verse 23 of chapter 1, like, I came no more to spare you because I was really upset with you guys. And I, and I really, it, there was a second letter that was written to him before this. And it's like this harsh or severe letter that where Paul lays out, like, man, you guys have got to change. That When he was there with them, there was... A major conflict between he and them, and um, Paul couldn't allow these things to continue in their the church culture, and so he was pleading with them. We get a little bit more of his heart in this um, as we go on through this chapter, but um, continuing on from chapter one, that's kind of the lead into chapter two. Remembering um, Paul didn't write chapter two down, right? It's it was all written as a letter form, there were no verses, no letters. Those were later given. So it's a continuation. So anyway, verse one, but I determined this within myself that I would not come again to you in sorrow for if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad? But the one who is made sorrowful by me. What Paul's saying is the reason I didn't come to you guys is because I didn't want to come the way we've been communicating before. I didn't want to come to you in sorrow in this bad place. And I don't want to be around you when you're in a bad place either. It's better for both of us if I just don't come right now. Because it's just not, it's not a good time for either one of us. Sometimes it's important to know when to stay away from each other, right? Like sometimes you just got to let things settle down, right? If you're married, you know, maybe sometimes you're just like, just leave it alone and just go away and let everybody, because in the moment, things seem to 
can seem to escalate, right? And, and it gets worse. And then now all of a sudden you're not even talking about a real issue. It becomes something else. And, and now you're, you go to like things like name, call, you know, those kind of things. We do this naturally. And so Paul knew in his wisdom, you know what, right now is not the time to see you guys. I'm going to just share with you all these things. And I'm going to pray that God does these things in you. And when I come back to you, we'll be able to have a good conversation. Because I want it to be, when I see you, there to be joy. I want this relationship to bring joy for both of us. And so my point is not to bum you guys out. Because I'm sure they kind of had that. Oh, Paul just, all he wants to do is rag on us. He wants to give us a hard time. All this and that. But Paul, he's going to really make it clear um, in this section. That's not what I'm doing at all. It's because I love you guys. I don't want to see you led astray. I don't want to see you compromised. I don't want to see you living with, with one leg over both sides of the fence. That's just not the way I want you to live your life. It's, that's not what we were called to. We're, we were created for so much better. And so it was not a good time. I don't want to come to you in sorrow and cause even more issues and, and, and not get anywhere. And, and so he says, verse 3. And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow over those for whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. He, he uses wisdom to, to know it's better to write it down and make it very clear what he's saying non, in a non-emotional way to be able to, to really say what it is and to appeal to them and then let them digest it. And let them look at it again and again and allow time for the Lord to speak to them. He's saying, because you guys ought to be my joy. Like, this was the church that was birthed out of my labor and my ministry. Like, you guys should be like, so I, I would love to be happy to see you. That's, um, I've been involved in ministry at two other churches. Um, in Orange County, most recently, like almost, what was that, three and a half years ago? Isn't that crazy? Been here three and a half years. And then um, before that, I was in Redlands at the packing house. And both of those places, whenever I go back, I have like a smile on my face because, right, Tori, we have this. When you go back uh, and you're like, these were our people. We spent time here. We poured into their lives and, and they poured into ours. And this is, a, this is our friends. Like we were, we love you guys. We remember and, and the things that were done and, and, um, we obviously we love the season we're in here and it's, this is, this is where we belong and it's an awesome season, but it's really, really cool to also go back and see your old friends and, and be encouraged by them and, and them to be happy to see you and you to be happy to see them. It's a really cool thing. Um, and, and that's been fun. I can't imagine if like, you know, you go and you pour out and you spend all these years in ministry and then you come back and everybody's like, oh, oh, what's he doing here? And you're like, what? Like, what? Why? And then you find out it's everything's a mess and riddled with sin and all these different things. Let's not start a rumor that this is not the case at either one of those churches. But that would be I, I was trying to put myself in the position of Paul and I didn't birth either one of those churches. Right. I was a part of the ministry. Paul was, he put this whole thing together and, and was there for a year and a half and, and put his heart and soul. Because Paul doesn't do anything without heart and soul. That's all he does. He's an all-in guy. You know, like that's, that's who he is. You know, that's, that's Paul. And so um, he's like, you guys should be my joy. I don't want this to be bad. So I'm writing this to you and I hope you get it. I hope you know where I'm coming from with this. 
For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears that you should be grie- uh, that you not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. Paul's like pouring out his heart to him. Please understand what I'm saying. The reason I'm saying these things to you, and, and by the way, this is something we should have in our mind when we're dealing with culture and sin and and people not doing what they're supposed to, you know, we, we're supposed to intervene and, and speak to truth when truth is not is ignored. Paul, this is the heart of Paul. To still say the things, but with this kind of heart. The way, when he says it with, out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you. Like, this was painful for me to write the things I had to write to you. This tells us something about Paul that might be missed. Because you might think that Paul is down with conflict. I think Paul is not afraid of conflict. But I don't think he like, likes it. I think if you're a Christian, you really shouldn't like conflict, right? You should, that shouldn't be something. Because conflict is kind of like, not to say you ignore issues and to, to bring it up and to, and to have conflict can be healthy. But if you like conflict, that means you kind of liked, like division somewhat, right? Paul is the, about the opposite of division. And, and so he's like, there's conflict but I'm not enjoying this. And when I write this to you, it's much affliction and anguish. The word anguish is, is this. It's more than just, it pains me. It's like, this is hurting me. So anguish of heart, I wrote to you. He goes further. With many tears. Like, I've been bawling over writing you this letter. Like, do you know how much I love you guys? Do you know how much I care about you? Do you know how much this hurts me to say these things? But it would hurt me worse to not say them. Not only would it hurt me worse, it would hurt you worse. Because I really do love you. I really do care. Not that you should be grieved. My whole point was not to grieve you in this or to bum you out. My whole point in doing this was what? He says it right here. But that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. That you would know the love... So when you get it on the other side, you'll understand the love I have for you. The world says, love never tells you what you don't want to hear, right? No, love absolutely tells you what you don't want to hear. When, when you just keep on harping about that one thing, that becomes a problem. But to, to go out there and say it, Paul's like, the reason I've told you these things is to show you how much I love you. And, our, and again, our culture is so messed up on this stuff that we, it seems hard to believe that that's love, right? We know that's love. If you have kids, you know that's love. To tell them and to correct them and to sometimes bring them pain so that there will be greater gain on the other side. I'm not here to bum you out. I'm here to teach you and to help you to grow and to minister to you. That's the heart of Paul. And now he's going to share that with them. Verse 5, he's, he's asking them for the same heart. If anyone has caused you grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to uh, some extent. Do not to be too severe. And he's going to be talking about seemingly the, the guy, the, such a man, from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
do you remember this guy? Maybe you do. He was a major cause of problem in Corinth. And Paul brought it. I'm going to read actually from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, um, starting in verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is even not even named among the Gentiles. The man has his father's wife, his stepmom, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he has done this deed. Uh, that he might be taken away from among you. For I indeed am absent in the body, but present in spirit, and have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord of Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And you go, well, that's very, very loving of you, Paul, to deliver him to Satan, right? And, um, but Paul was saying he needs to understand the reality of the sin he's in because it's not just like he sinned and, and he's like, I messed up. I blew it. He's like, yeah, th- so what? This is my life. I'll do whatever I want. And the church in Corinth was like, yeah, that's cool. We got grace for that. That's all good. It, again, it's not, we're not seeking for sinless perfection, but it, when you start not being convicted by things you should be convicted by, this is a problem. That's a big problem. And Paul says, this will, the next section after this, he talks a lot about leaven and leavening the lump. You, you put a little bit of leaven in the lump, it leavens the whole lump. Sin enters into the camp and it will mess up the whole church. So you need to deal with this in an extreme measure and let this guy see what he's doing so that he can be relieved and you know changed by it. That's the whole point is that deliver him to Satan, to the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Let him feel what he needs to feel. Let him hit that rock bottom as hard as he's got to hit it so that he can stand, come back around on the other side. How many of us have hit that rock bottom? Pretty much all of us at one point or another, right? And you needed it. Someone always saving you from hitting it is kind of like not good right? Oh, just rescue him. Oh, just rescue him. Oh, just rescue him. You know, I'll just take him out. Just get get him, get him. You know, sometimes you've got to see it for yourself to understand what it really is. And you go, whoa, this is worse than I thought. Kind of like the covering, kind of all that is taken away. So they apparently had done this. This is something they had done. They took his word to heart and they said, they said, you've got to go. You got to go get out of here. Go do whatever you got to do, but you, you can't be living like this and be in here because it's, it's, it's not a good place to be for you. And so they had done that. Paul's saying to him like, yeah, he's caused grief to you guys, but don't be too severe. He continues on, verse 6. This punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, is sufficient for such a man. There's that such a man again. This, that's seemingly the same guy. From not dealing with it at all, they'd gone to become too severe. Tell me this, uh, the, the punishment that was inflicted was sufficient. You don't have to keep going, okay? Because the guy had repented. We see that he's actually has repented. He's, he's come back around. He's gotten the point. He sees it for what it is. But now they had shifted into a different gear. And now they were pinning it. Now they're like harsh to these. I'm not kidding. When I was reading this, I was like, this is so, it's such an easy thing to do. 
You start off and you're all grace because you understand you're like, I'm a sinner. I know how messed up I am. I know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that. I don't want this. I don't want that. And then all of a sudden you go, oh no, no, I'm changing. Okay. Yeah. We're supposed to change our life. And you go, I can't believe someone could be caught up in sin. You're like, so were you, so was I, if you ever forget that, then you're going to not know how to deal with people and not have grace. It's grace and it's truth. It's both, right? Like you need to have both. It's truth and love. Like you've got to have them both. Here's your love. Here's your truth. They got to go together. If not, they're, they're, it's going to be way off anyway. So they weren't dealing with him right. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. The discipline worked. Now restore him. He's, he come, he's at rock bottom. Don't keep him there. Oh, no, I remember what you did. If there's repentance, bring them back. If you see them when they're in that place where they're like, turn to God, that is when you need to wrap your arms around them. When they recognize that place, right? That's the whole point. When we, when we come to know Jesus, it's because we recognize that we're sinners. We recognize that we're not sufficient. We have, in a sense, been delivered up to Satan to see who we are and what we're capable of. And it's like, ah, I'm terrified. Who can save me from this wretchedness? And you come to this place of repentance. You're like, God, save me. God, help me. Take me away from this. Make me new. Change my life. And then he comes in and he rescues you. And so that's what's happened. They had started the good part of the work, but then they'd become obsessed with that part and forgot to do the other, which is to restore him. You didn't deliver him to Satan so that he would die. You delivered him to Satan so that he could be restored and saved. And I think this is timely for us because I think, especially the things we deal with, it's easy to be one way or the other. Everything's all good. I could never tell you anything's wrong because I don't know those things. And who am I to say your path isn't right? Well, that's obviously there's some problems with that, right? Or the other side is to have no grace for people going through stuff. And, and, and to have no grace to be able to want to reach out and to restore. This is where it all comes down. This is where Christians get a bad name one way or the other. Where we just, we're, are, are so, we're so open-minded that our brain falls out of our head, right? Or we're so self-sufficient and we think we, we know so much, we have made ourselves into God. Both bad. So Paul's like, great, you dealt with it. But now let's work on the other part. <laughs> so easy to be extreme, right? It's so easy to be extreme one or the other. To go from like, man, I, I just... Yeah, anyway, great quote, G. Campbell Morgan. He said, if discipline is largely lacking in the church of today, so also is the grace of forgiving and comforting those who have done wrong and are truly repentant. How often, alas, souls have been uh, indeed swallowed up with overmuch sorrow because of the harshness and suspicion of Christian people toward them in view of some wrong which, uh, which they have done. Love never slights holiness, but holiness never slays love. It's good, right? I think it's good. 
I'm like, it's a great quote. You're like, not really. No, I think it is anyway. Great quote for me. And who are you to tell me my experience is wrong? Okay, anyway. Hey, let's not go there. All right. Um, this, but the thing is, 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 is that it's, he didn't just say to forgive them. Because that's one thing is to say, I forgive you. But to forgive someone and then to comfort them. To comfort someone is a lot more than just forgiving someone. That means you're coming down to them and you're saying like, come here. Like, let me put my arms around you. Like you're, you're hurting. And I love, like that breaks all the other barriers. Like I, I, I forgive you. Yes. But like, come here. That is what Jesus does. Right. That's like, that's what he did. He forgave us. Great. But then he comforts us. And he continues to do this. And we have this amazing, um, the Holy Spirit then comes in and, and does this work in us. But you just, that comfort of knowing he's not, not only is he with us, he's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He was tempted at all points. He understands what we're going through. So he's there to comfort us because he gets it. One of the things that's, that I found is relieving to my children when they're going through something is to say, like, I, I've actually been through something kind of like this. And they go, really? And they go, what, what was it? And you explain it. And they're like, oh, wait, that's different. No, I'm just kidding. They don't say that. Uh, but, like, they, there's some, what, some form of relief they get in understanding that you've been there and you get it and you know it's not fun. It's not easy. It's hard and, and, and there's things you're going to fight through. And, and I, just last night I was like frustrated. I was really, really tired and they were up like well beyond their bedtime. And I was just like, can you guys please go to sleep? Like, I feel like I've said this a lot, you know? And then, and I'm just like, I understand. Yeah. I was just sitting there. I was like, they're kids, man. I remember my brother and I getting yelled at talking all night, you know? And I said, I've, I understand. I remember being a kid. I remember how hard it was to be quiet. I said, sometimes I still feel like I'm a kid. And they're like, what? And they started laughing and they thought it was hilarious. And I was like, it's kind of do, you know, but like, I'm just like, this is, this is, I get it. I know where you're coming from. That's to bring comfort, but I know where you're at. Let's grow. Let's just move on. We're going to get through this anyway. Uh, swallowed up with too much sorrow though. That's the, that's the gnarly thing. You can be swallowed up with too much sorrow. And that's something that we've got to not let happen. We've got to be those who love, forgive and comfort no matter where people have been. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Remember, this is the guy Paul says, you got to get rid of this guy. Now he's like, reaffirm your love to him. It, does this tell the heart of Paul? Does this tell the heart of the pastor? Does this tell the heart of the way he sees the Corinthians? I don't care. I just want to see you guys do well. I love you. I want to, it's, I'm not going to hold this against you for the rest of your life. I want to just see you get it. We have an amazing opportunity to love like this. This is an amazing opportunity for us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to love people when they're hurting, when they recognize that they're in that place and to find it when they're, yeah, I've, I'm broken. There's a lot of broken people in this world. And, and even though there's medications and there's uh, self medications and all these things that can try and keep us away from dealing with it, it's compounding the issues. And the, the fact of the matter is it's a broken world that's looking for a solution. We do have it. 
we need to be ones that are giving love and, 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 and encouraging people while still not telling them that poison is food. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Quote by Hodge, when the offender is made to feel that while his sin is punished, he himself is loved and that the end aim is at, at his, it, am aimed at is not his suffering, but his good, he's more likely to be brought to repentance. When you say, like, I'm not here to, to tell you you're bad, but it's to show you, like, what the good is. Great, good is the enemy of great, right? Like, you, you want to get to the good stuff. So let me show you. I want you to see, I'm not here to, to harp on you or to bum you out. I don't want to see you suffer. I want to see you do good, the best you can do, what you were created for, to flourish without anything holding you back. For to this end, I also wrote that I might uh, put to the test whether you are obedient in all things. So he's like, I want to see that you guys follow through. There will be tests in our faith from all kinds of different places, right? We will be tested. Have you noticed that? Been tested this week? Probably. If you're involved in VBS, for sure you were, right? <laughs> You've been tested at some point. And you want the test is to show us where we're really at. The thing about a test is you got to be prepared for a test or it's gonna, you're going to bomb, right? You do, it, whether it's a, a written test, a fitness test, a whatever it is, you've got to be prepared for it. And being prepared for it means hours have been spent beforehand doing the things you're supposed to be doing to do well for that test. So it's not like a, oh, I'll just get ready for it when the time comes. No, it's too late. You've got to already be ready. Hey, we're going to have a pop quiz today. Well, okay. Well, let me study real quick. Well, that's not how that works. If you've been working the whole time, you would understand this. From now on, we're going to be doing the tests on Monday for the things we're going to be learning next Friday. You guys remember... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka, which, what's it called? The Teacher, does anyone remember that? Great, I love that movie. Anyway, it's a weird movie, but the, the teacher is just out of his mind and all he can talk about is Wonka bars. That's okay, you don't have to write that in your notes, um, if you have notes. Uh, our faith will be tested and we need to be prepared. That's just like true, just so true. And the testing is always when you don't want it to happen. That will always be the, the when it's, you are, and it's always the weakest time that it comes out. And anyway, now whom you forgive now, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive for if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven uh, that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. So he's saying forgiveness is, is got to be a mark of a believer has to be. Forgiveness has got to be a mark of the believer. If there's no forgiveness, what, what are we doing? Our whole everything is built on forgiveness. Like we've been forgiven of sins. And there's the, all those pesky verses like, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Like we need to be forgiving to one another. Because last time I checked, I wasn't perfect. You weren't perfect. And that's, that's to be expected. It's all good when things are good, but... You know, when things get bad and you realize, oh, I didn't realize. I mean, I knew they weren't perfect, but I didn't realize they weren't perfect like that. That was a problem. 
we need to be forgiving. We need to have that in our hearts and, and to be ready to forgive and to have that, to have that in our DNA. So the, the, these, when people come in and they're broken, we are ready to, to receive them and to give the same treatment that Jesus would give them if he was here on earth. Think about that. And then, and then read the red letters in scripture and then read the gospels and you go, whoa. So I'm a follower of Christ. So that means like my life should be reminiscent of his. Look at how he deals with people. Look at how he deals with sinners. It's like he almost doesn't even see at the point. Like it's like he just wants to grab them and bring them in. No, no, just don't sin anymore. Come with me. Let's go. You don't have to do that anymore. You, you, you can be free from that. Let's go. Let's get out of here. I think we should be the same way rather than, well, have you lived up to all my requirements before you come into this building? I couldn't help but notice that you weren't wearing shoes. No shirt, no shoes, no service, church service. It's like, come on, right? It's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, it, of course, that's not a thing in our culture anyway. Everybody's looking at their shoes like, oh, man, I'm wearing flip. Who cares? It's not a thing, right? But it's, it's that heart to look to people where they're at and be like, man, I want to see you do well. I want to see you free. I want to see you grow. I want to see you experience all these because, and, and really when it all comes down to it is if you believe it or not, if you're experiencing it or not, because when you find something good, you talk about it. When you find something that you like, you talk about it. This, that Vallarta downtown has been gone through the whole church. Everybody's talking about it, right? So it's good talk, good burritos, right? Jordan just had it, right? You said it was good. You, said, you don't like it? Whatever, whatever. It was, we're not all chefs. We don't have Michelin stars, okay? It's good. I think it's good. Anyways, it's, they have that kind of relationship, so it's okay. Just if you're new, sorry. Um, but uh, it, it, but when you talk about it, you're like, have you ever tried this? The Christian burrito with an egg on top? It's, and it's called the Christian burrito. So there's something there. We need to be, anyway. Um, I think I'll have the Christian burrito because I'm a pastor. Um, but like, it, it, it's funny, it's, whether it's that place or something, everyone wants to, again, we've talked about this before, wants to share the thing they've tried. This coffee shop's amazing. This, this is amazing. Oh, that, this surf break, you know, come check it out. Breaking here. Nope, don't do it. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, that's right. That's you surfers, right? Mountain bike. How about mountain biking? C- come see the good. We'll share in the good because we aren't like surfers. Okay. Um, come check out these cool trails we got. All right. Um, you know what? We've divided enough. Let's, no, I'm kidding. But you want to share the good things you've experienced, right? You want to like let people know the good things you've experienced because you want them to receive them as well. So if you've, you're in the place where you recognize you've been forgiven, you feel free by that. And if you don't feel free by that, then you don't, aren't recognizing that you're forgiven. You've forgotten that you've, there's a great price that's been paid. You've forgotten that you are a wretch that's saved by amazing grace. 
and you need to come back. It's like this thing where like, do the test. Do you, are you amazed by God's grace in your life? No. Well then have you, do you remember what kind of a sinner you were? No. Okay. Well then start there and then move on. And then now that you recognize the amazing grace in your life. Okay. So who are you to hold anything against anyone else? Okay. (laughs) Forgiveness has got to be in our DNA because we are Christ followers. And that is like what Jesus did. To the point where he forgave those who were crucifying him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing, what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know it. Like, forgive them. He's saying, forgive them. To the people beating him and mocking him. This has got to be in our DNA. Uh, Calvin said this, there's nothing more dangerous than to give Satan a chance of reducing a sinner to despair. Whenever we fail to comfort those that are moved to a sincere confession of their sin, we play into Satan's hands. Check this out. Verse 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Do you understand what happens when you allow division, when you don't comfort one another, when you don't have forgiveness for one another? Satan is taking advantage of you. Does that not change your perspective a little bit? I'm just kind of being a brat about it. No, Satan, no, Satan's controlling you and taking advantage of the situation. He's manipulating it. He's causing division. And we, Paul says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And I was thinking, are we not ignorant of his device? We might be ignorant of a lot of his devices in the church today. And that's something we need to take to heart because where there's division, there's problems and Satan wins. And where there's lack of forgiveness, then he's winning. He's, he's manipulating the situation to where he's taking advantage of us. Recognize that there are devices. I was thinking about this yesterday as we were buffing out the carpet. It's, I love stuff like that because you're just like, you just don't, you're not thinking. You're just like, like mowing the lawn and stuff like that. You're just kind of, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing this and that's one row and then do this row and keep going. I was thinking, it, it's always kind of weird when you're overly spiritual, you overly over spiritualize everything and it's kind of like, over-spiritualized. It's like, oh, you know, thanks for opening the door. God, thank you. That was amazing. Like, that was the way. And you're kind of like, all right, it's a little much, you know? Or like, I had a traffic jam, and I'm under persecution because of a traffic jam, you know? And you're like, I don't know if that's persecution necessarily. It's a fallen world, you know? And Or like, man, Satan's really attacking me, you know? I stepped in some gum. And you're like, okay, might that might not be what he wants. But I was thinking it's equally dangerous to under spiritualize everything and to not see that we have an adversary that's trying to take advantage of us. And when you're at your lowest point, when you're most emotional, a lot of damage is done. And when a lot of damage is done, he is one. Think about that. I was thinking about it as a collective, like, you know what? We might have issues, but I don't, no one likes being taken advantage of. Especially from Satan, right? We don't like being taken advantage of. So what do you do? You don't make yourself vulnerable. One of the ways you make, don't make yourself vulnerable is you, you 
go before the Lord and say, I recognize my lack of forgiveness, my lack of grace for one another, or whatever it is, causes me to be vulnerable and, and to an attack from Satan. Advantage him. That opens my mind to go, I don't want to be doing his work. Because the church cannibalizing itself or to each other or whatever or causing, you know, having this is not a good look. We need to look like Jesus who had no problem saying what sin was, but was there with the answer to be saved and and changed and, and, and ready to receive the repentant. Oh yeah. There's, there's a bad, there's bad news. Sin is bad. It's worse than you ever imagined, but there's been a price that's been paid and now you can be free. There you go. So we need to be like that, to be those that are on guard, recognizing what's going on around us isn't all, there's more than, than going on than meets the eye. And we're called to love one another and to reach out to those who maybe are hurting and, and are down and, and don't know a way out where to help them find a way out. Paul himself even experienced that right after his conversion. There were those there that were there to help him, right? And, and stood by him and gave him, um, yeah, I believe that he is, he is following Jesus. Like, yeah, let's, he's on our team. Come with me, you know? We all have that. We all have those people. God changed us, but there's people in our lives that were part of the process. You get to be that. I get to be that. That's fun. So let's never lose sight of that. We'll pray. It's been already a little bit extended morning here with uh, um, everything going on. But um, we'll pray and we'll close in a song of worship. And um, just pray that this all sinks in and um, that God will reveal. I don't know. I think about it for myself, like, Help me to see the big picture, what it really is, and, and um, not to get caught up in the little stuff and, and miss out on why we're here. The, the main point, the main reason is to love you and to, to ha- hold truth and love in perfect harmony. Like that, that the love is, is full of truth and not lacking truth, and uh, the truth is given in pure love. So let's pray, Lord. We thank you for your word this morning. And we pray that you would help us to live in that way.